welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Rory Aurelien, uh, the mindfulinvestor.net, and I'm here with Glenn, glennsutherland.com, and Darcy, darcywatt.ca, and uh, we are pleased to uh, have you all here, and uh, today we will be discussing buying real estate without an agent, and um, I'm happy to start us off. So uh, I've experienced uh, buying with agent, without agent. Um, buying without an agent can be a little difficult because uh, you don't have a person motivated sitting in between both parties who wants the deal to happen without a deal the broker the realtor doesn't get paid so they, they, they're, they're, their interest is in having a, um, a deal happening and um, so how do you find properties without a broker so uh, it happens a lot in the u.s because uh, you know information is readily available out there. So you can do direct marketing, um, find the, who the owners are. There are different ways to do that. And then you can uh, directly uh, approach them. And, uh, you know, you send a, I have friends who do it. So they send a, a little, um, a very brief, uh, or very long, but I like when they're brief, a brief, um, a brief letter or a postcard ideal with a picture of yourself if you want to make it more personal and then you you tell them that you're uh, you'd like to you, you like their property you like where it's located you, you're interested in buying it um, so this is done quite a lot in uh, multifamily in the us i know for a fact uh, less so in commercial it's like uh, there is a, a blue ocean for that uh, and it's also a good way to connect with um, with potential investors because uh, these people may uh, may be uh, interested. Who knows? You know, at doing uh, doing business with you. Uh, so this is possible in the U.S. It's more difficult in Canada, uh, uh, and uh, otherwise, uh, you can do uh, what I do. One thing I do is I approach. Uh, I look at ads online of properties for rent. And then that's one way of approaching self-managing owners, mom and pop, who may be interested in selling. That's one way I've done it. And also the other way is when checking the references for potential tenants, when I speak with their former landlords, uh, you can ask, uh, you know, if they would be interested in selling. And, uh, and yeah. these are some of the techniques that I found deal uh, without uh, an agent or a wholesaler. So you've brought some directly from the seller, the owner. You've approached them or you've known of the property. And how did, how did you first hear about it? Because I've had some, I'll share some of mine, but I'm curious about how yours went down. So in the US, uh, you can use, uh, I subscribe to Craigslist and uh, you can click on the property and it tells you, um, it gives you the name of the entity owning the property. Usually, usually it's, a, it's an LLC. And then uh, it gives you a phone number with um, a probability of an accuracy of the phone number. You know, if it's closer, the closer wow. it is to 100%, the closer it is to being the, the, the accurate number. And uh, so that's one way I've done it in the US. And in Canada, um, uh, it's, it's much more difficult because, you know, you don't have this uh, information readily available. No, it's a blind wall that you can't see through. Um, as much as much as we give up so much information on banking and mortgages and insurance companies, the public can't see it. We get a brief window out here in BC where you can look at property taxes and see what other property taxes are and who potentially owns it. But you, you can't, it's a, a fence you can't really see through. They really protect privacy here uh, quite extraordinarily. I could share how we've done it. Um, you know, it's funny when I was thinking about this, without 
buying without an agent. I was thinking about the agent part, not the property, which is, you know, it's a conflict that's come up for us in the past where a seller um, is trying to get out of property that's not making much money. And if, you know, for new listeners, um, there's lots of ways of doing this. The usually the compensation for the agent is in the sales price because that's where the money is. And the agent on the first transfer of the deposits, why they want a fairly substantial deposit, because it should be more than their commission. They want to make sure, you know, on a $2 million property, they want to make sure that there's more than $150,000 in the first pass of the deposit, that you show faith, that you have means, and that their commission is being held with the seller's realtor. That's typically where it sits in their trust account. And then it's accounted for on the closing statements between the lawyers. So my initial thought was, Oh, we're doing it without an agent. So cut out the agent, you know, 7% deal on the property or a 5% cut or, you know, it makes it a little more uh, cheaper might be one of the reasons why a person might do this, but I already took it in a totally different direction, which made me think of a thousand different things on the first, on the former, you know, okay. If you cut out the agent, then you're taking the risk that the agent usually assumes their expertise, their insurance, um, their professional association, how are you going to get it done with a, you know, with a, uh, a lawyer? Well, you're going to have lawyers both ways, either way for title transfer and the legal docs of transfer. But you could skip the agent's part and just pay lawyers by the hour to do it. Once they get a sniff that the, there's no realtor in there, though, they're going to up the amount of time that they spend in due diligence because there's not someone else to voice that responsibility onto and share the liability. So you're going to see a slight increase. It's not the $500 transfer for a small cottage anymore. It's not going to be a $2,000 legal fee while they do more searches. You know, in our case, doing a building, a two and a half or $4 million building, you know, you're looking at a $30,000 legal bill and a probably $150,000 realtor fee. So there's great incentive to get that $150,000 out of there. You know, maybe you split it with the seller. Um, the problem is we're usually working with a realtor we like. Now, if that weren't the case, weren't working with a competent realtor or one we liked or we just weren't sure or didn't trust them, you might be tempted to get, you know, work around them. And we have in cases like that where there's no realtor involved. Um, those ones are in the latter ones that uh, Ari was talking about how the property came to us, not through a real estate listing, but through a lawyer. A lawyer says, I've got a client who's, uh, you know, sold a property, took back a second on it, and now they're in default. And it's fallen to us and it's before the court. Are you guys interested? I'm very interested there's a real opportunity there. So that's one where there was no realtor involved, came straight from a lawyer. Um, we've had other ones where the bank was involved. They're our primary lender on one property and they've uh, given us a call and said, Hey, um, you guys uh, interested in uh, this property? And they named the property and I took a quick look and went, yeah, we are. Well, how can we help you? Mm-hmm. How can we help each other? So in that case, you know, you're getting an as is, where is prospect though. The bank's, they're not inspecting it and they're certainly not taking the liability for anything that ever happened there. It's just a transfer of the property into your hands as is, whereas, and you assume all liability. So you got to be a little more careful. Um, you know, realtors serve a useful purpose, not just marketing, but they carry um, uh, professional responsibility and insurance. So, you know, on both of those things, I usually tend to want to use them, especially if we've got a good one and we've had good ones. We've had a couple of really shabby ones. I mean, yeah, there's always good and bad in both things. I had a friend who just took a vehicle in for a warranty repair. And they said, well, the part's not in like we promised, but how about we give you a free oil change? 
and they, uh, they gave them a free oil change. They took the oil out, they changed the filters, and they never put any oil back in his, in his six-year-old Sienna van. And he drove it off the lot, and he drove about 100 yards and said, this thing's running funny. He says, it'll do that. Maybe make sure your gas cap is closed. So he drove it home, and his wife drove it halfway to Traverse City for a hockey tournament and cooked the aluminum block, fused the pistons right solid. So, yeah, sometimes you uh, get what you pay for. So there's no <laughs> deals out there, folks. Or sometimes there are, but you have to be careful. Oh, I traveled far afield there. Glenn, what do you think? What do you, uh, how I did you take whole, this question? I have question? a third different angle on this. Okay, one. it's good. You got bonus round, folks. Okay, so I, when he, when, you know, Ari, I don't know who picked the topic, buying with an agent, I went with buying with like a wholesaler and okay. working with a third party that isn't, um, Ari went direct, you went, <laughs> anyway, we all different, went different ways with this, but um when you are working with wholesalers, like, uh, and it's kind of what Ari talked about doing the mailers, but there's someone else doing it. If you don't want to do all that work, you can pay someone in the middle to, you know, do the mailers and then assign the contract for you and they take a commission. And we've kind of talked about that on some other episodes. Um, the one thing that, you know, is different from doing wholesaling to working with a realtor is typically when you work with a realtor, the seller of the property is paying a commission to the realtor. Whereas, when you're buying from a wholesaler, the buyer pays a commission uh, to the wholesaler. So it's a little bit different. Um, mm. And where this has gotten really popular in Ontario, where people will sell properties at not that much of a discount, um, but call it a wholesale deal. And all you're doing is just the, 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 whole, the, the fees from the realtor, the way I look at it, are just on the other side. And that's the only thing that's really different. Um, but anyway, that, that can happen anyway. Um, so a lot of people get really concerned about buying with wholesalers whenever they're, especially when they're talking about buying in the States with wholesalers, um, they're worried about getting scammed. Um, they're worried about this because there's no licenses. Like you said, there's no insurance, no licenses. You're, you're talking to, you're getting an assigned contract for somebody else. And the main thing about this is to do your due diligence. Mm -hmm. You have to do your due diligence. You do not trust those people's numbers. Um, this is a, uh, very personal to home right now. I just had some students and I've even had some people call me in the last two weeks and I am not making this up um, that people are buying houses without knowing the ARV, uh, which blew after repair value for our listeners. Yeah, after, Thank you. Yeah. So they, they bought a project planning to do a renovation and have no idea what they'll sell it for when they're done. It seems like it's, it's like rolling the dice. I'm like, I, I literally said to my wife, it's like they're putting everything on red and just hoping it works out, right? Playing roulette, for instance, right? Mm, okay. um, it's, it's, uh, it's nuts. It, it, it's mind-blowing what some of these other investors are doing. Um, but with all of this, do your own due diligence. Um, if you're going to be working with a wholesaler, do not pay the wholesaler anything. It all comes from the title company or the attorney or lawyer closing this property. The money goes to them. They've cut it all up depending on who gets what money, insurance, um, uh, any lenders, every, they, they split it all up the way it's supposed to be split up. And that's where the money goes. Don't pay these people any money. Where's your risk? Where's your risk if you're only giving money to the title? Your, the title company is um, going to take your earnest money deposit. But, and then the title company is going to make sure that the title is cleared, right? So and the only way you're really getting into yourself into a risk, if you skip the title company thing and you just try to deed the property, um, which you could, you could just skip the whole title thing and deed the property from one person to another and skip checking all the title. 
but why would you do that? <laughs> that, that also seems crazy, but it is another thing that I do see people doing. Um, the other thing that is different from working with a wholesaler um, compared to buying it from the MLS or a realtor is the order of due diligence. Um, you know, you, there's usually no conditions in these property, these, these offers you're making, they're clean offers and all due diligence needs to be done before the offer. So um, you can't skip these steps, which is another thing that I keep hearing people do um, because it's a hot market and they go and put the offer in and they don't, they don't check all the stuff. They, they, you know, they assume just based on some pictures, they don't have a contractor walkthrough to get a renovation budget. They don't, um, I like to pull my own comps, but then I like to have a realtor verify my comps. I want to pull my own rent comps. And then I want to have the property manager verify the rent. You can't skip these steps. Like if there's a recession on the, the brink, you can't skip these steps. If you buy this wrong, this crazy 20% per year, it may not exist. And it not, may not bail you out <laughs> because right now, anyone who did anything did okay. <laughs> so, but if you skip these steps and things flatten, even you were going to be in trouble, stick to the basics, do your math beforehand. And honestly, I'm, 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 I've been so worked up about it across the couple, the last couple of days with the emails that I've been getting from people and my response when I'm asking them for just some quick numbers and they have no idea that the properties are already closed or put under contract with lots of earnest money that's completely tied up. And I'm blown away that they don't know any of the numbers on the property. It is, wow. it is mind blowing. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Yep. Because I, uh, for listeners now, this podcast will probably come out in the beginning of September, but we're recording it in June where interest rates have gone up about a, a full percentage over yep. the last, and the market in One places. Quarter like, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So the market in places, which is mystifying to me, anyhow, like why Mississauga would go red hot and now why people are freaking out because it's gone off, what, 12%? Folks, it wasn't worth what you were paying for it in February and you should have been a little bit more circumspect. But I mean, that's easy to say in June, but go back and listen to our stuff. I'm going, what the heck? Um, so right now we are seeing a little bit of a retraction and you know, maybe not in places like Indianapolis when you're buying a house for 60,000 US, but in places if you're, you know, buying in Southern Ontario or some other places in Surrey and BC, in urban centers in BC, prices have come off a bit. Um, it's or they're down sitting to, longer. Or, they're, or they're just sitting longer. Yeah. Now, instead of having multiple offers over a weekend, you're sitting two weeks and realtors are freaking two weeks. I mean, look at, you know, if you go back to uh, real estate board stats, Properties usually sit somewhere closer to 90 days, 70 to 90 days in the past. It's only been the last few years that we've had these weekend closings and stuff. And as it regresses back to normal, quote, whatever normal might look like, normal interest rates, normal closing times, normal processes, you, you can't count on some sort of lottery that your property goes up before you close by 30%. That's insane. Um, that's like Glenn's throwing everything on red. That, that's a roulette term. I visited <laughs> Vegas once. Um, yeah, that's just crazy. Um, I should, should I throw in here, though? I know we're getting close to our cutoff time, but why might you sell without an agent? There's reasons why you might be on the other side of that ledger and sell without an agent. And I've been on that side of the ledger um, selling. If someone came to you directly and gave you an offer and you went, yeah, if you can complete that, I'd consider it. Um, it surprised you. You weren't thinking of it and it surprised you. And went, really? Now, you should know your numbers. You should know what your property's worth. But 
you might sell directly to someone that you know has been after that property for a while. And I get correspondence, yeah, probably every couple of months of people fishing. Sometimes it's realtors, they're looking for listings, but often it's, it's purchasing groups, small syndicates of purchasing groups. And I actually met with a couple guys that uh, made offers on a property we had in Ontario oh, almost a year and a half before we sold it. And they had, you know, kind of a low ball offer. And when we sold it for 30% more than they offered, they came back to me and wanted to know why. And I said, well, number one, price. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I only get one chance to sell a property. I don't get to sell it over and over again. I'm not selling widgets. So I don't increase my profit, profit, profit each time. I do it once. You got to make sure you get it right. And that's why I did tell them they were really sweet guys. And they actually sent me a really good bottle of uh, French wine for my time. So <laughs> nice. So if you want to get my attention, a really good bottle of French wine works. We could actually tag this as a topic because I'm not going to go into it, but I have stories of selling um, without agents too. And yeah. Wow, that should be a reason. Yeah, we got another topic. I'm not going to go into it. Yeah, just to tease it, if you've got a commercial property and you've got a, you know, a sole tenant in it or um, an occupier that's a substantial tenant in it, they should probably own that property. Like if you, for instance, you got a low rise of concrete tilt-ups and you've got somebody running a shop in there or some kind of construction company or manufacturing company, it'd be way smarter for them to have a, a real estate asset. Their lawyer and accountants will tell them how to hold it into separate property so they can sell both the business and the asset. But that'd be a natural one to go to and say, hey, why are you paying rent? You should own this property and here's my price. Talk to my lawyer. So that might be one. And listen to uh, another episode. So thank you. There's another episode. In. There's a teaser. Uh, this is Aurelien, the mindfulinvestor.net, uh, Darcy, darcywhite.ca, and lensatherland.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a question, feel free to email it to us, uh, and we will be glad, glad to answer it during the show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, keep that wine coming. French, Bordeaux <laughs> blends. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> thank you, everyone. <laughs>